I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Lloyd, And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created the, the Weirdos, Weirdos Book Club. Join us. A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club, but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram, at Sarah and Carriad's Weirdos Book Club, for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along. And share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank Thank you for reading with us. We We like reading with you. This week's book guest is... Under the Net by Iris Murdoch. What's it about? It follows struggling writer Jake Donahue as he stumbles around London, getting into various japes and adventures, including avant-garde theatre, house-sitting for film stars and kidnapping stunt dogs. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, it encourages financial irresponsibility and swimming in the Thames. In this episode, we discuss London landmarks, philosophy students, women writing men, Paris, nursing and the Irish. This is a book by Iris Murdoch. I'm sure most people have heard of Iris Murdoch. It is her first book that she has published. It's published in 1954. Well, according to the introduction in my version, yes, not everyone has heard of Iris Murdoch. Oh, yes. Now, we let's get into this. So I think this is so funny. This is hilarious. So Iris Murdoch, to us, is a very famous 20th century author. But I would say in the past 20, 25 years, she's definitely fallen out of favour. And she's not as fashionable as she was. There was a big film about her. That was the end of the 90s, yeah. Was it? Yeah. God, doesn't it fly? <laughs> I feel like that was two years ago. <laughs> was that the end of the 90s? Yeah, I'm going to double check. But Iris, <sighs> the film where Judy Dench and Kate Winslet play her, is, is an old film. No. I would describe it as an old film. So. Old film? An old film, which makes us old people. I think I've only seen two films since then. You probably, I mean, that, yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, old film it can't can't be the end of the 90s 2001 yeah that's the end of the 90s yeah I'd describe that as like near the end Um, the 90s is definitely over by 2001 it's over so the thing is we went when we were at Sussex Iris Murdoch was she was big people were talking about her she was considered quite quite the figure and we read a lot of Iris Murdoch 
when we were at university. But now she's very out of favour. And I did a Radio 4 programme called A Good Read. You may be familiar with it, listeners of radio. Don't switch this off to listen to that, though. No, 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 no. It's a great programme, but we're not on it. Well, I'm on one episode. Anyway, and I chose The Sea, The Sea, which is her Booker Prize winning, which is what most people probably know her writing. And the host of that, Harriet, who's a very, obviously read a lot of books, was like, oh... Iris Moog has fallen out of favour and I've wondered why and then I reread The Sea, The Sea and now I know why. Yeah, they're oh. harsh. Well, I chose Anne Round the Fountainhead <laughs> on a good read so you can imagine the great time I had. I didn't know she was known for sort of like fascism. I just liked I the book. I know you didn't. You liked it. I know. I, I just had no idea culturally of what Anne Round represented it's so I thought big. I could just waltz into Radio 4 <laughs> with my... This book made me think a lot. So, I thought you knew by the time you went to good read with it. I no. Thought, no one had ever told me, but I don't know. I don't know. I thought by then you Didn't were aware know. that there was no, other stuff. No, I knew. It. Do you know what I knew? That Margaret Thatcher liked her. And yeah, <laughs> that doesn't speak highly of something. But I. But, but because I've never, I didn't. I'm not middle class. I didn't. I no, don't know no, stuff it's automatically. Not just that. It's just. It's just. But you'd liked her since uni. I didn't know when you started liking her, to be fair. I didn't know much about her, but then I, as we I found her thought-provoking. She definitely is. So my dad is a very selfish person, he's an individualist, and so then I read Anne Rand, and it's like, oh, I see where my dad got his ideas yeah, from, and it made me think about a lot of things, and I thought it would be a really good discussion book. I didn't realise I was about to get absolutely rinsed by middle-aged God, women. Did they rinse you? Absolutely They must have gone me. hard on you, yeah. Well, they were like, not only is it evil, it's badly written. That's how it started, and I was like, wow. did you know what my feedback was afterwards from the producer? Well, at least you didn't back down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't back down with the C the C, but I wasn't mm. defending fascism. <laughs> well, they all hated it. Well, actually, one guy liked it, but yeah, Harriet, who I love, I think she's a brilliant, brilliant host. I really love that program. Um, she was like, oh, I see why she's not. I see why Iris Murdoch isn't fashionable because mm. she's really dated and it doesn't, it hasn't aged well. And I, how do you feel about Iris? Because we used to love her and we've been rereading her. Yeah, it's very different reading her now. It's so different and. Some of it doesn't, and again, this is her first novel. Some yeah. of it doesn't age well. Yeah. But some of it really does age well. I think she's really special. I think she's fair. I still have a soft spot for her, even this, when I had to reread The Sea, The Sea, which is massive. Mm. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time. And the same with Under the Net. Like the first time I read this, I had what we've had with other books. So if you'd asked me what this is, was about, I would yeah. have said, it's about a man having fun on in West London. That's well, all I could remember. I hated the beginning of this. Oh. And then loved the end. Oh. I loved the second half of it. Yeah, yeah. But once I'd got into it. When we started it, I thought 50s, I was like, why it? has Cariad chosen this book? <laughs> and I found it really <clears throat> clunky and trying too hard. I've, I, I tried to do one of those, you know, that like they have those word cloud things. Oh, yeah, If you're going to do a word cloud of this book, it would be like okay. London, yep. animals, politics, unsubtle. <laughs> <laughs> Money, underlined. Yeah, and that's what this book is about. Yeah, so it's written, it's published in 1954. It's her first novel, and it's um, about a man called Jake. There were loads of Jakes back so then. So many Jakes, who is sort of almost like a troubadour kind of man about town individual figure. Do you know, do you know who I kept thinking of? Who? Tom Tuck. Oh, interesting. Yes, yes. I, I get that vibe. I once had a man called Tom Tuck live in my house for free, and that's the only time it's ever happened to me. <laughs> so it's about Jake and he's living in London and he gets kicked out at the start of it and he sort of just he sort of wanders around London going from place to place and he's a translator but he has purpose he, he, yes. he's a purpose filled yes not adventures journeys but they become adventures it's definitely adventures and it's definitely has that feel of 1950s London where 
you just have to be mates with the woman who runs a news agent in Soho. Who, yes. You can leave your manuscript and whiskey very romantic, with her. Very romantic about <coughs> Soho. <coughs> yes. And that if you just walk into a pub, if you speak to enough people, one of them will have the answer that you're looking for. Yeah. And it's, such a, it's such a romantic view of London in general, actually. But I guess I wondered, like, again, maybe London was like that in the 50s. It was much smaller and much more parochial and much more like... They like you know they all they seem to know each other <laughs> like the whole yeah. gang, and he falls in. It's kind of a dreamlike novel in in a way because things happen that are weird. In that you know like there is a, someone who owns a film studio and they're having political talks there and they just wander in on and, the set of Rome, on the set yeah. of Rome, and then he just goes to Paris for a bit. Like there's lots of stuff. He just gets a dog who's a film star. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> the dog turns up, but yeah, when I read Paris. it the first time, yeah. it seemed quite real. And this time I was like, oh, she's just having fun. This I thought real. it was really Alice in Wonderland. Yes, yes. Because just like Alice in Wonderland, which is te- you know technically a children's book, Alice turns up somewhere and people say sort of odd non sequiturs that are sort of philosophical. And yeah. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing people say to Jake, like, well, can you ever truly mean what you're saying if you're doing it with language? <laughs> and so it's really Alice in Wonderland. in pubs uh, in West London. She was a philosopher as well yes. as a novelist. Yes. And she was also, her philosophy was kind of in, eclipsed by her her writing, her fiction yes. writing. But, but she wrote biographies of people like, um, what's his features? Jean, yeah. the existentialist. Sartre. 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 I forgot to tell you the funny thing about the introduction, just to oh, come yeah. back. So my introduction says that Iris Murdoch isn't yeah. as famous as she should be. And then it uses the, um, it says, just like Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Sally Wainwright, which really made me laugh because they are lauded as geniuses. So I, I do agree that sometimes being a woman, yeah, sometimes this might hold one back. Yeah. But I don't think it's holding Sally Wainwright and Phoebe Waller-Bridge back. <laughs> Is that fair? Like, I mean... Otherwise, they would own the moon. Like, could, could we could we talk any more about how brilliant those people are? No. Is there do you a single think person? If Phoebe, Waller-Bridge, if Phoebe Waller-Bridge was a man, do you think she would be even more powerful? I to a dangerous extent. She might be one of the white men moaning that you can't get an edge in nowadays. Yeah, that's true. But I wonder, we've, we've only seen her at the height of her power as a woman. It would, would What would happen if she was a man? I don't know. Well, make, make, her like a, our lives. make her like a body switch story. Oh, like, um, like Freaky the, Friday. Yeah, Freaky Friday. She's what's with Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Daniel yeah. Craig in the it. Bond writers' room. Oh my god! There's an accident. Someone spills some tea. I would watch that film. <laughs> I should you need to write it actually. Okay, right and then it uses the example of authors, and it says that Iris Murdoch would be more successful if she were male, and how that we don't talk about Hilary Mantel or Margaret Atwood like we do about Martin Amis. And I was like, we have different friends. Yeah, we have different. I guess maybe there is still, there is still. I think Mantel has crossed over. I think she's crossed over into What's being a man. Yeah, I do. I think she's she has, but because she tackled history, which is also very male dominated. But I, but I once got in a taxi with a uh, with Hilary Mantel. With, with, no, with a driver, taxi driver, who told me he wouldn't read Hilary Mantel because he said women can't research. So, I, <laughs> so I do know that there is yes. still sexism in the yeah, world. Yeah, 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 yeah. You acknowledge that. But I don't want to overheat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that. that I think the reason Iris Murdoch isn't as popular is because of the kind of thing she was writing about, not necessarily because she was a woman. Yeah, I also think she's very 20th century. And when we read it, we still had our foot in that world. I like, still do. You still do. <laughs> I'm still watching the Iris movie. To recent <laughs> Sending me your tape, mix, mix lists. Mix this? Playlist. What are they called? Mixtape, thanks. Um, I think we, as 20th century 
millennials who have a foot in that world i think the, if you pick this up now as a young person it's almost like reading an early victorian text but like the language is actually is even i had to put my brain into like oh god what are they how are they speaking but i think it depends i've got no idea what it's like at university now obviously but i imagine university doesn't change that much in that you are discovering a form of intellectualism trying yeah. it on yeah. especially we did english the kind of discussions that i find clunky in this book we were definitely having and thinking yes. we were geniuses yeah, yeah yeah thinking we were the first people to say but yeah. is there such a thing as truth because language is a symbol system it, it's, it's got that vibe of late night students talking yes like there's a lot of like so he jake is obsessed with this man who he thinks is a philosophical hugo. genius hugo and he writes a book down of their conversations whereas hugo is like i don't know why you're obsessed with me i just tell you ask about language occasionally but the there are um excerpts in the book and they definitely read like two students yes. stoned and there's a philosophy <laughs> teacher as well yes dave i think or david who also so there are there are points in the book where it feels like this isn't a scene of yeah. action it is iris murdoch using characters to explore some ideas which yeah. i absolutely don't mind by the way as in i enjoy that yeah i enjoyed it but it felt more obvious this time yeah. I think the first time I was like oh how interesting Iris well I, I remember first discovering Iris Murdoch and what I would have told you at 21 was I can't believe how much she understands men <laughs> yes and I don't know why I thought at we, 21 that I understood, understood men. men yeah we both thought she wrote men brilliantly yes. to see the sea same thing lead character a man and this that you we see it all from Jake's point of yeah. view and I thought I thought when I read it, oh, she just gets men. Read it a second time, I thought, Jake's a woman. Jake is absolutely a woman. Yeah, this is not a you man. You said that, so it's a bisexual woman. Yeah. yeah well, the way, she, for me, Jake describes this woman he's in love with. The way he describes her is the way a woman would just say that someone is beautiful, I think, without getting too into gender. Mm. But the way he's describing, the things that he notices about her, I was like, I've never heard a man be noticing. <laughs> like, oh, got, you know, her hair is good. It's good hair. Like, the way it falls. <laughs> How's she doing that? How's she getting that curl? It's like specific. I was like, this is a woman observing another woman. Um, Iris Murdoch, in this book, again, we must flag, there's some very casual racism towards yes. East Asian people. Yes. But I don't. the other thing is, I don't know if it's a writer making a conscious choice of a character but twice she's really brutal about Irish people saying they have nothing in their heads. Well, she is Irish. That doesn't mean she's allowed. No, but just to flag that okay. as well, she's okay. British Irish. Okay. Born in Dublin. Okay. So perhaps she felt more at home insulting her own people. Yeah. So so the character of Finn, who oh, I really Finn. love, she says doesn't love have Finn. any thoughts. So his life is easier because he has no inner life is the phrase but she does uses. Does she say that because he's Irish? No, no, no. She doesn't say because she doesn't say due to him being Irish. Oh, right. He's just an Irish person. And then later with Irish nurses, she says they don't have a thought between them unless you count the the want for matrimony. Oh, some internal racism there. Well, I just thought it's so odd for a novelist who wants to go so deep inside psychology to then say about some characters and they're empty. <laughs> they're empty. Ignore them. I feel like with Finn, it she doesn't know sort of way that is part of who he is. And also, I think Finn is a bit of a symbolic character as well, in that he doesn't have thoughts. He follows Jake around. He lives to Jake, drink. Jake thinks he doesn't have thoughts. Yes, he clearly yeah, does yeah, yeah. have thoughts. But he's also this, like like as soon as he yeah. gets the money, he goes back. He goes back to Ireland because he had a plan, but just Jake just yeah, didn't know true. it. He he actually had a super objective. Yeah, Jake had no idea what it was, so he assumed there was nothing going on in his mind. Yeah, and I didn't know if that was really really good writing. Or I think that's I, an I, oversight. Yeah, I think that is. I like that about that book because I feel like. 
I feel like you really, she really writes Jake. She's not doing that author thing of like, oh, here's Jake, but also I'm telling you by the side, obviously we're not really doing, like she's, yeah. you're completely seeing everything from his point of yes. view. And so often that does lead you to making stupid mistakes with him. Mm. So you trust the wrong people or you think the right thing. And then yeah. 40 pages in, you're like, oh my God, Jake's an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. Why am I trusting Jake? But he's very charming and very... We see other characters being charmed <clears throat> by him. Yeah. Were you charmed as a reader? Yeah, I was because he's so mad he's so like because he he has this sense of adventure about him of just like right i'm being kicked out of my house this is it finn we must go there's a bit of widnell and i about yes, him of like yeah. right off we go this is it head to london find people start conversations before you know it he's like at a rally and then he's moved in with someone and you sort of feel yourself being carried along with him and i found that charming the part of him i liked and that i understood was sort of being on the precipice of creativity yeah actually making things being too terrifying so he's a translator yes yeah yeah and how so many of us are fearful yeah and not achieving a potential and then are jealous of yeah. other people but i hate people who sponge off other people oh yeah uh, the sponging was bad the yeah. financial thing so because being kicked out of a house i mean essentially it was a female but, character making a better decision for herself and so he couldn't have free lodging anymore but didn't you think his weird honorableness like he wouldn't take the money for the bet because it was yes. too much money. <laughs> but but that was silly honourableness, okay. I thought, rather than... I didn't think it was honourable. I thought he was being really silly, quibbling about that. And that's very with Nell and I, isn't it? It's very that character. My mum has a saying, inspired on my dad, where it's, it's always people who tell you they don't respect money who are asking for a loan. <laughs> <laughs> tell you that money is meaningless are the yes. first people to borrow money off you, and that's Jake. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Funny enough, what reminded me of my dad, of that kind of like, this is it, we're all going, and you just have to go with this adventure. The, dy the dynamicness. Yeah, the kind of dynamic, like... A leader without without a fucking plan. Yeah. <laughs> and that's definitely reminded me of my family of like, oh, we're all going. We have no idea why. But it seems like he really knows what he's doing. Yeah. And then you look close and go, he doesn't know what he's doing, does he? Why yeah. the hell are we all following him? But it seemed fun. Well, it definitely seems fun. Yeah. You know you're going to have an adventure. Yeah. It might not be safe. Yeah. But you do know you're going to have an adventure. Like jumping in the Thames. Drunk swimming at night in the Thames, which is mental in any era. Mm, not sensible. Not sensible. Not sensible. We do, we're not advocating that. It made me want to jump right in the Thames and get really drunk. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I found it very aspirational. <laughs> oh, did you? Which is why I think it's dangerous. <laughs> did it not make you want to jump in the Thames no. at moonlight with some Irish guys? No. Come on then. It didn't. It made me think that sounds cold and uncomfortable. They were so drunk. It was so beautiful. They were so oh. drunk they couldn't feel the cold. <laughs> What did you think of the representations of London? Yes, I want to talk about that. I loved it, but part of me on rereading it did think this isn't what it was like. Having read a lot of other post-war London books fairly recently, um, Shirley Hazard, shout out mm. to the amazing Shirley Hazard, who's my new, like has replaced Iris slightly for me in my head as favourite 20th century women. She writes about post-war London in a really harsh, blunt, vulnerable way. And I wonder if like, it's easier for that as a reader now to accept that like we kind of want the truth and the authentic voice as iris is like painting you this like yeah london basically post-war london pretty fun pretty fun lots of stuff happening jazz and politics and rallies and and i was like was it actually like this this feels bonkers that london yeah. was like this it does come down to money because while yeah, the character true. of jake doesn't have his own set of large income the life he lives is of a wealthy person yes yes there's yeah, a line true. from i'm a fan which is about character having basically the glow of the, of the safety of money yeah and yeah. jake has that and his experiences are of 
a, a moneyed person. What's interesting about Shelley Hazard's description, she writes about rich people who now have no money because of what's happened. Mm. So he got, there's a, um, I can't remember which one it is, maybe it's Transit of Venus. He goes to visit an old aunt in London who is living in her furs, but like is shooting pigeons to like uh, the postman shoots pigeons and gives them to people in the street because they've got nothing and like walking and like seeing every house collapse apart from the one that you you know your family lives in and like how cold and he's this characters come from east asia have been fighting over there and he can't believe like what's happened Mm. to everywhere and it's really bleak and so even the rich are terribly affected in that way just like no it doesn't matter if you have money because you can't get food so what does it matter that's what's odd about the discussions of socialism (laughs) of which there are many oh there are many in under the net is because it's moneyed people talking about the importance for socialism no one at any point says we need a social state people can't feed themselves it's interesting that finn is i get the impression finn is not from money finn is having to like sponge off jake yeah and then, yeah, that voice is not heard. Finn literally doesn't say anything, does mm. he? I think what I'm suggesting is that she was a moneyed person who really agreed with the philosophy of socialism. Yeah. But, but wasn't living in a, an existence of actual experiencing poverty. It's definitely a philosophical take on it, isn't it? Because it's like, I'll discuss it, but I'm not looking yeah. at the oh, truth look, This it. is better for man. Yeah. This is better for us as a society. Or like than... the distance of like, oh, it's interesting, isn't it? This is interesting what's happening mm. rather than, yeah, but what is happening to these people? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I loved London. I loved the way she describes it. And like you said, running from pub to pub, it, it, like in the shadow of St Paul's and then heading to the Thames Being and diving on a bus in. across Oxford Street, watching people. There are things that are still yeah. happening. It's the same, I guess, that the same geography. And that's what I loved. Because I, I just think you can pick up on how much Iris Murdoch loves it. Oh, yeah, you can yeah. tell, definitely. And yeah. the bits of London and Paris. There's some yes. incredibly in-depth description oh. of Paris. Well, I've, I've underlined a Paris quote because I loved it so much because it's so perfect. There's something about the disappointment of going to Paris, <laughs> having it sort of built up in your mind. <clears throat> Arriving in Paris always causes me pain, even when I've been away for only a short while. It is a city which I never fail to approach with expectation and leave with disappointment. <laughs> There is a question which only I can ask and which only Paris can answer. But this question is something which I have never been able to yet formulate. Certain things indeed I have learnt here. For instance, that my happiness has a sad face. So sad that for years I took it for my unhappiness and drove it away. I love that. It's so beautiful. Because the first time I went to Paris was with a boyfriend yes. I didn't like. <laughs> and um, he was doing such a romantic gesture. Yep. And we had such a miserable time. And so... The idea of having a question for Paris and it being important, but you're not ever quite getting the answer for it. So you keep going back there in sort of subsequent relationships or on I, subsequent I adventures. I do remember your trip to Paris and it yeah. not being. <laughs> it, you want Paris. I think that's why your first trip to Paris should be on a school trip so that you don't oh. get the romance. I thought you were going to say like alone. No. <laughs> Just a flanier. I think you should be nine. Walking shoes. Walk, take them around the Louvre, put on a bus and then... Hopefully a trip to Euro Disney. Oh, and then you and then you'd sort of it's de-romanticized. Yeah, because I went as a kid, so I never thought I never knew it was romantic till I was older. Okay. So like I just thought it was like a really good you got a lot of cake. I just can't imagine what would have happened at our school if they said we're taking the kids to France. <laughs> I just can't yeah. imagine. Chaos? Revolution? Half of the parents would have been, yeah. Well tweet frog's legs. <laughs> tweet frog's legs and snails. Not popular. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I want to talk a little bit about Hugo. Yes. Because Hugo... he's your husband. <laughs> your husband, Ben. Husband. He's... But he's mad. The cute, that's the character that actually, for me, started creaking the loudest. I could lean into Jake and Finn because it was so charming. But Hugo, this like silent person who is a fireworks expert, <laughs> then yeah, gives that's where that his money's up, from. Yeah, gives up making amazing fireworks to become a film producer. I mean, sure, that could happen. It was more that he was making so much money that he could do like follow what he wanted. But he also uses. He seems incredibly manipulative. Did you think? Anna and her sister. Yeah, that was also really interesting, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, we've hardly talked about the women in it. Yeah. Because they're not really painted that clearly. No, and also I, I do think that Iris Murdoch, and again, I think it's in the character of Jake, she does say some really misogynistic things. When she's describing Anna, she talks about how women's makeup and heels are all prof- pretended profundities. And I think it's interesting when you said, oh, it's a woman that she's saying is a male character because it's a very judgmental woman. Oh, it's very judgmental. Yeah, Very yeah. judgmental. He says of Anna that her love of love was calculated avoidance of self-surrender he has these like she has these huge judgments yes there was a quite this and so the characters Anna and Sadie who are sisters Jake is in love with one of them and there's love triangles that are actually squares and circles yeah yeah. Um, and you don't I, I read as well like you actually only see one like we meet Anna once and that's it and then she's discussed for the rest of the book mm. so we never actually and in that and when scene. he meets her again, yeah. he's like, oh, she's put on weight, she looks old, she's got grey hair. <laughs> oh, and he does pin her down to a carpet and say, uh, yes. I think she likes it. Yeah. Sort yeah, of, there was yeah. that. Yeah. There was that. <laughs> yes, there was that. Um, and that's the kind of thing that doesn't age well. You're not used to a narrator yeah. saying those things and then doing those things and then being, but how are you still the hero of the piece? I'm yeah. sorry, I forgot to tell you that I had ordered my copy of eBay and that this photo was in it. <laughs> what? <laughs> this photo of a group of men on holiday was inside my... Vintage copy. Okay, my spin-off podcast is Who Are These Men? We can put that on our Instagram so you can see them. Can we? If you know who any of these men are. It just fell out. So I got it and I was like, oh. What if this is the Illuminati? <laughs> and you've just got them, the five it's, of them. If that's Illuminati, they look suspiciously like men on a golf trip. Yeah, that's what boys are look like now. <laughs> God. There's five of them. All of them look like they could be one of my uncles. Like There's yeah. just so much uncleness in jumpers. Let's all go to Paris, the seven of us. <laughs> Find those men, take them to Paris. What if they're a book group? <laughs> Talking about the way she's aged, there was also something I found was that the way she, she's talking about a world which is absolutely free of distraction. So there's an amazing bit that I really love when mm. Jake is locked in a flat. Oh, yeah. And there is nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And he starts leaning out the window just trying to get some people's attention and he, he has to bust his way out of this flat 
but it made me feel I don't know, it made me feel a bit like panicky that he was in a situation where he would just have there was not he couldn't do anything he would just be bored and I felt like god that if you're reading that now and you've grown up completely digitally can you imagine do you know what I mean is that a stupid thing to say no no it's not world? stupid it's not stupid at all like because I think a lot of this book is about people who have no distractions yeah like why would you walk around London in the pissing rain visiting every pub and like going to a political rally because you don't have a phone and you're, you don't have the internet. You're right. Later, very late in the book, there's an issue where he wants to contact someone who's yes. a patient in the hospital he works at. Yeah. And they, he can't text them. He can't text like, them. like, I'm not allowed into their room. Yeah. So that means I can't see them. And he just has to wait and then yeah. break into the room at night. Yes, exactly. <laughs> speak to that person. And I was like, it really, what's weird I think about this book is that it is an Alice in Wonderland feel, but it's also... She sometimes grounds it in the reality of London, but it's this London that you're like, that is so dead. That London is so, so dead. Whereas mm. when we were reading this at uni, we, it was like, oh, I remember things still. I remember not having a phone. Yeah. And I feel like there's something about that Jake with nail troubadour character, but like that world of being so bored. And I remember mm. that from being child, like that related to me, the boredom and the randomness because you're bored. You, you walk around because there's nothing to do and then random things do happen. You do end mm. up somewhere because you're like, oh, it's bumped into that. Our kids, this is listening to LBC today, our <laughs> kids still having random meetings. That's what I feel like I'm saying. I, I've written down that the difference in age, so reading it at 22, mm. and I thought that this book was so wise and oh, insightful yeah. into human nature and then reading it now at 42, I feel like she, it's a writer <laughs> making up people and giving them personalities. Yes. It's not deep truths about no, humanity. No, I agree. And it was her least favourite. Her own least favourite. <clears throat> yeah, she yeah. didn't like it. She was quite embarrassed about it compared to the rest of her much more... Se- and to be fair, The Sea, The Sea, as complicated as you find reading it, it I do think it's a stronger novel and mm. a deeper novel. How old was she when she wrote this? Do you know? Oh, so you asked me to do maths. When you find out, because the other thing... She was young. There's a lot of opinions about love that are very cynical, I'd yes. say teenagery, in that, you know, that it's not really a thing it's how you manipulate right, other people it's how you pretend she was born in 1919 okay. and was published in 54 33 when she wrote it okay well say around then if it was she wrote she it may have written published. it like before but but that's that's grown up time I would have thought I thought she was going to be 20s she has a line about Jake where he says I followed my rule of never speaking frankly to women in moments of emotion <laughs> and that is a woman imagining a man whereas I yeah. would have read that as oh that's men then yeah I, I mean that's what men must do I just, I took it, I took it as uh, being so wise. And I wonder, because we were in our 20s and it was this male, again, this like male troubadour character just telling you this is what it's like to live in London, this is it. And as a 20-year-old woman, you're like, yeah, he's right. Whereas now you can, you see the sponging and the manipulation and... I would have thought that chase of Anna was romantic. I think I did think yeah. it was romantic in my 20s, and definitely. now it's pathetic. He doesn't know her and he doesn't even like her and he's not good for her and he has nothing to offer. His obsession with her is absolutely insane. Yeah. And I think what I saw this time, again, when I read it the first time, I was like, oh yeah, it, it's true love, it's romance. And now I was like, she's completely a symbol to you. You don't know her. You haven't thought about her for three years. Someone mm. mentions her name and you're like, Anna. And then, <laughs> and then he says this thing when he's on the bus, like, London had become an empty frame. Every place lacked her and expected her, which is a teenage view of romance yeah. rather than saying, okay, mate, you've got to be in your bonnet. But that's got nothing to do with the actual <laughs> human with needs. Yeah, he didn't see Anna as a person at all. 
And that is interesting that both women, Sadie, her sister, is also being hassled by a man and is also saying repeatedly, I'm being hassled and, yes. and Jake doesn't take it seriously. No yeah. one does. No. Although we do have the character admitting later, yes, I have been unreasonable and I have behaved abominably towards Sadie. Yeah. Maybe like, it was like breaking and entering. Yeah. Kind of. and it's, it's extreme. But it's, all, it's all treated in like, well, you know what it's like when you love a gal? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to break into a house. got to steal a manuscript. <laughs> God. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is. It is a very, but then maybe, oh, I don't know, are we imposing what we think 30 would look like in the 50s of like what life she would have led? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The the scene in Paris where he's following her through is after fireworks and she takes her shoes off and mental. puts them in a hole in a tree. Yeah, that's absolutely Alice yeah, Wonderland. Yeah, what you said, it's gossamer. It's, yeah. it's not real world. I can't believe that I read it the first time and didn't think like that chase when he thinks yeah. it's her and it, it isn't spoiler alert isn't her and I, I didn't like I laughed this time I was like yeah. what the fuck are you doing you idiot like of course he's not fucking her you in a, you're, it's like Bastille Day in Paris like no yeah. you can't find someone but yeah. I felt the tension that she writes in that very believable yes of wanting things to be true and I, oh, I, that's it what I felt believable was, was that you see them because you want to see them yeah and I sort of still rooted for Jake I sort of still wanted him to be okay somehow even though I wanted him to be okay because he was in charge of that dog now. Oh, I really felt like yeah. that Alsatian who's 10 who can't do movies anymore. <laughs> I think maybe I, that's who I empathise with this read. <laughs> <laughs> this out to pasture adventure dog. I, Mars. I really loved that character that there is this dog that everyone thinks is a really <clears throat> important you know, like worth a lot of money dog. Mm. And then it turns out the dog is old and can't do the tricks anymore and actually everyone's desperate to get rid of him. I felt yeah. like something that was a good symbolic character as well like what we believe and what we put the, our faith in the comedic in. set pieces getting that dog out of his cage into <laughs> that, a cab that was funny a really funny <laughs> that and that's really and that's what I, I found the beginning clunky and then really started enjoying it it's the set pieces the drunk swimming in the Thames that whole pub scene into the water into whatever market they go to in the morning you know those cafes and yeah it's that coffee coffee culture London of like yeah coffee shops yeah. and talking and politics and and not pretamanges it did make me nostalgic for a London that but that's what also made me wonder I don't know this London never existed or Iris was making it up even then but it did make me nostalgic for a London of like but if but if we were to write London because that's also asking about tour guiding it's so possible to do a really romantic version even now well people do don't they all yeah. the time make London look like it's snowing and it's wonderful when you bump into people but sometimes yeah. that does happen it does happen yeah we were both tour guides on in on Lon open top London buses that's what Sarah was referring to yeah and there were so many romantic moments which you mentioned in your book weirdo <laughs> actually a large part of your book is that on the bus. I had this thing with an, off, um, an interview the other day where the guy said so there's lots of stuff from your own life and I was like no no this is a fiction I've stopped it this is this I don't want to talk about my own life anymore that's my stand-up comedy this is fiction he went but you worked at a tour guide I was like okay yeah <laughs> uh -huh. all right all right Sherlock <laughs> I've been reading to my daughter, like I've been trying to, you know, read all sorts of stuff. So read Winnie the Pooh. Oh, even Alice in Wonderland. Hmm. And the language in Alice in Wonderland, like she is now so far away from that language that you can't even simplify it. Like oh. you, you forget, like because we are the age we are, it's still like there's like an echo of it in our heads that we can understand. You start realising like this is the equivalent of someone handing you a six-year-old something from like you know 1790 and being it's like well, Chaucer yeah like what? come on it's, you. it's very funny very yeah. very bawdy <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. and it's things that in our childhood Alice Wonder was still like oh yeah that's a book kids read and now you're like it's so old and the language is so thick and hard to get through is it? yeah uh, we're even Winnie the Pooh I won't go into the beginning of Winnie the Pooh it's like meta yeah. meta 
It's it? so weird, the beginning of Winnie the Pooh. Anyway, don't get me started. Okay. Um, well, next week, listen in. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is going to come on Weirdest yeah. Book Club. To be fair, after all of this, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoy reading it. I still think Iris Murdoch is worth getting through, but I just don't think anyone's going to bother these days, Sarah. I'm upset for her. I don't think people I, can, are going to do She's one it. of the people I would have fucking loved to be friends with. Oh, God, I yeah. think I Okay, that's, this is maybe what I should say is I have such awe of her talent and her oh, brain. Yeah. And all of the different ways that she used language, used thoughts, the fact that she's writing essentially a comedy novel about a guy who's uh, a bit of a chancer, doesn't know what he wants to do. But she manages to have these really intellectual debates about what is truth, what is language, do human beings ever communicate, is love ephemeral, is it an illusion? That's what she's showing with Jake. Jake's feelings are real. We know it's an illusion. That's what And then, And then to have a huge thing about politics... I mean, it's incredible times, to get all that yeah. into your first novel. Yeah. I love her ambition. Yes. I love that she yeah, wants yeah, yeah. to do that. I love that she's trying to do that. I love that she does that better later on. And I was really looking forward to talking about her because there were so many things that she did or that happened that I wanted. So there's so much worth in it. That's what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't necessarily go to your mother-in-law, read this on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I would say strongly anti-beach read. Yeah. I think you need to be reading this on the num- top of the number 73 bus in the pouring rain. Yes, that's it. If you were sort of on your work break at, in London yeah. at a London job or a city job. I think I read this like on a back home in London yeah. on a break from uni. That's when I think I came to it. And I think if you have experienced London, have any feelings about Londoners like more than a city if it sort of lives in your bones and you feel quite passionate mm. about it then this book you will love definitely yeah. or if you're a philosophy student yeah it's yeah it's a bit like what's that one the so- one the sophie's book that we used to like where they have hide all the philosophy in it oh sophie's sophie's world i nearly said sophie's choice yeah, sophie's choice is a different one that's uh choosing which philosophy course to study <laughs> sophie's world mm. yeah it, yeah there are elements of that on it like she's hiding philosophy in, and it's dedicated to Raymond Quinault? Yeah, who's that? He's a philosopher. In the introduction, it says that the people who like Iris Murdoch are fans of gauzy fabrics, Perno and existentialism. <laughs> I so hate th- Perno. So if that's you... No, I hate Perno. I don't think anyone likes Perno. Well, people who like Iris Murdoch do. I think that's the insulting view. Oh, is I the see. the only people who would like her... I find that weird as well because it's not really domesticate her. It, that's a bit that kind of like re- reductive chiclet, as if she's writing about material in... In philosophy in like a light way but her books are so heavyweight for me i feel like you reckon need to bring your brain to these books you can't like half ask them yeah and it also this is our second reading decades apart and i still i still can't quite work out how clever she's being and what she's in control of and what's yeah. accidental yeah oh yeah i, I this, give her a go guys <laughs> give her a go i would say I mean, I love her. The, I love the way she writes. Yeah, and I've I've read so much of her stuff. I've forgotten yeah. a large amount of it, but I have throughout the this since reading Under Net and Under Net, I think was the first one I read. And then, yeah, I would recommend the C the C and all, all. You know what, guys, all of them. I wrote a quote down about what she said about love. Oh yeah, this is why I thought it was teenagery. Dave, who's the philosophy teacher, Dave, 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 Dave once said to me that to find a person inexhaustible is simply the definition of love. And so there's so much cynicism yeah. in that. And that's Jake's view of love. I don't necessarily think it's Iris Murdoch's, but it is the view of love that this book gives you. Yes. But I also what I love about her is that nothing is set. Yeah. Like she's putting things out on the table and she's saying, what do you think? 
like very philosophically yeah. and then it, nothing is what you think it is yeah so she's not an author it's like this is absolutely who it is it's like you think jake is this and then you're like well, maybe he's not maybe everyone isn't maybe i can't trust yeah. she's constantly moving things around for you and i think there's a lot of interest like if you can allow your brain to speak her language it's it's very satisfying what she's serving you the food is is rich but you don't feel sick <laughs> i've got a last line i've got a last line it's, and it's from almost the end of the book this is partly because of the Londonness. Okay. Because he's on a bus watching crowds in Oxford Street. Yeah. Events stream past us like these crowds and the face of each is only seen for a minute. What is urgent is not urgent forever, but only ephemerally. All work and all love, the search for wealth and fame, the search for truth, life itself, are made up of moments which pass and become nothing. Yet through this shaft of nothings we drive onward with that miraculous vitality that creates our precarious habitations in the past and the future. So we live. A spirit that broods and hovers over the continual death of time, the lost meaning, the unrecaptured moment, the unremembered face, until the final chop-chop that ends all our moments and plunges that spirit back into the void from which it came. That's some chirpy Iris murder. Iris, you okay, hon? <laughs> You're right. Too many pernos. Too many pernos. Got to get this gauzy fabric off me. Can't breathe. Thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club. Next week's book guest is... In Watermelon Sugar by Richard Brautigan and we will be joined by the brilliant award-winning comedian John Kearns. Sarah's novel Weirdo is available in the shops right now and so is my book, You Are Not Alone. Thank you for reading reading with us. We We like reading with you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's perfect brands.